Welcome, welcome, welcome into Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by Students For You. My name is Peter Roman, and over the next hour, I will be going through the biggest moments in the world of sports, specifically at least for the next couple weeks anyway. It's all international soccer. I know there's a lot of NBA, NHL free agency news that's really exciting, and I can't wait to talk about that, but... There aren't actual games going on right now in those leagues, and so I'm focusing my attention on the competitions that still have lots of meaningful games to be played. So today's show is all Copa America, all Women's World Cup recaps. The quarterfinals are completed in both competitions, and both have had a semi-final play to completion. The second semi-final is today, so I can't talk about that. I can preview that game, but I can't actually recap that game, and so I'll do my best to recap not only the quarters and the semi-final game that have been played, but give you a sense of what to expect for both the Copa America final and the Women's World Cup final. Next week, I'll be recapping the final, obviously, of both of those tournaments, and I'll start to turn my attention to the Africa Cup of Nations, which is now on to the knockout stages, with Senegal playing Uganda, we have Benin playing Morocco, Madagascar versus the Central African Republic, we have Ghana and Tunisia, Mali and Cote d'Ivoire, Algeria, Guinea, Nigeria versus Cameroon, and the hosts Egypt against South Africa. So a lot of good matchups there, and when that tournament gets more underway, I will talk about that one more. But for right now, because the Women's World Cup and the Copa America are so close to the end and so close to having a champion, I think it's more important to focus on that this week, and then next week I'll turn my attention to the Africa Cup of Nations, and then I'll start at that point going on to... Stuff like NBA free agency, NHL free agency. So, today I'm starting with the Copa America coverage because, well, <laughs> there, there was a lot of interesting games. And Chile specifically, very happy about. And I'll get to them in a minute. But I'll start. The first quarterfinal game was Brazil versus Paraguay. This game was 0-0, like most of the quarterfinal games. Went to penalty kicks. And Brazil won in penalties. They finally got over the hump against Paraguay, who had knocked out Brazil in both 2015 and 2011 on penalty kicks. So, it was, I'm sure, very nice for Brazil to get some... I guess I wouldn't call it, like, a a curse or, you know... But it's good to get that monkey off their back, where it's like, finally, they this team beat Paraguay in a meaningful game and penalty shootout, so... That was good for Brazil to have anyway. As far as the game itself, I mean, Brazil were more than deserving winners in this game. Paraguay played the last half hour of the game with 10 men after Fabian Balbuena took out Roberto Firmino. And actually, this was one that video assistant referee came in and absolutely made the 100% correct decision in this case. Because on the field, and I don't blame the referee for making the incorrect call on the field, because in full time, I totally understood why the referee called what he called. But Firmino was taken out, Balbuena was the last player back, and he was taken out, and it looked like it was in the box, because Firmino fell in to the penalty area. So, the referee gave a penalty kick and a yellow card, which, in real time... 
I have no problem with that decision. It's just when you look, when you slow it down and you look at the replay, the contact actually starts just outside of the box. And so for that reason, they went to VAR, they looked at it, and correctly, the referee took away the penalty, gave Brazil a free kick at the top of the box, and gave the Paraguay player a red card because there wasn't a penalty given, so red card, last man back, 100% correct decision. And so, you know what? VAR's taken a lot of heat in both the Women's World Cup and the Copa America, but in moments like that, it gets it 100% right, and I'm very glad to see that. And that's the kind of thing, right, VAR's not going to get rid of mistakes in international soccer, but it's going to limit them. It's going to reduce them. So that's very nice to see. Brazil, sadly, couldn't take advantage of the fact that they were up a player. They had a lot of very good chances. Everton had a really good one in the box that he shot over the net. Coutinho had one just deflected. And credit to the Paraguay goalkeeper because Paraguay goalkeeper Fernandez, he made some brilliant saves in this game. And in the end, that's the reason it went to penalties was because Paraguay more or less parked and played defense. But Brazil were able to win on penalty kicks. I think they were easily the better team in this game and in the end deserving winners. And so the hosts advanced to the semifinals. Argentina took on Venezuela in the only quarterfinal game that actually had open play goals. Argentina won this game 2 to nothing. My prediction on that was wrong. Argentina was not exactly dominant or impressive by any means, but you know what? Credit where credit is due, they got the job done. And in tournaments like these, you don't always have to be super impressive in these games. So I'll give them a lot of credit. Venezuela actually had most of the possession in this game, and I think they had the majority of the good chances, but the best one fell to Hernandez, and it's just the the fullback sadly could not put it past Armani, the Argentina goalkeeper, and therefore that, that was kind of Paraguay's best chance. And then it was a goalkeeping error from Farinez, who's the Venezuela goalkeeper. He basically parried it right into the path of La Celso, who scored and sealed the deal. Lautaro Martinez scored the game-winning goal in this game, and a very nice backheel goal, one that definitely, I don't, it was a little against the run of play, but you know what? Argentina, again, not dominant, but got the job done. And in tournaments like these, that's all that matters. So Argentina booked their place into the semifinals. They took on Brazil yesterday, and I'll get to that semifinal in just a minute. But I have two other quarterfinals. Peru versus Uruguay, another 0-0. This one had three goals in the game, all taken away by VAR. And all correctly, albeit very close. The first, so Uruguay scored three goals in this game. All three were offside. And the first one was pretty obvious. I think that one, I mean, yeah, pretty clear as day he was offside. But the other two were just, they were so close. And it's, you know... I say this all the time, it's a game of inches, and for Uruguay, it really was, because they were just, just, just offside. And in the end, Peru were able to hold on, nil-nil, and go force it to a shootout. And in the shootout, Peru won, because Peru made all, f- they converted all five penalty kicks, and Uruguay, of all people that you thought would miss for Uruguay, I don't think anybody would have put money on it being Suarez, but it was Luis Suarez, and when you... Th- when Uruguay are going to look back at this game, the big players let them down in this game because despite the offside goals that were taken away correctly, Edinson Cavani had a br- 
brilliant chance in front of the net. He was maybe six, seven yards from goal and was given a tap-in off a deflection, and he skied it. And this is Cavani. Like, he is he's so important to that team, and it's just he had, like, a striker's dream, a striker's dream right in front of the net, and he put it over. And then Diego Godin, and Godin, in fairness, is a defender, so I guess he gets a little bit of an excuse because he's not a striker, but Godin had pretty much an identical chance to what Cavani had, and he did the same thing Cavani did, which was put it over the bar. So, And then with Luis Suarez being the only player to miss his penalty, I mean, it's unfortunate, but for Uruguay, when they look back on it, it's like, the three most important players, the three best players on the team, they let them down in this game. They really did. And Peru, despite the fact that this game really didn't have a lot going forward for either team, Peru were absolute money in the shootout. And so they advance. They weren't the better team in this game, don't get me wrong. Uruguay was definitely the better side, but Peru made their penalty kicks. And you know what? Sometimes it happens, but in the end, Uruguay have nobody but themselves to blame because their three best players let them down, and that's just pretty much all that needs to be said. And then finally, the last quarterfinal game, Chile versus Colombia, and this was a very nice game for Chile. They won the game. It was 0-0 and went to penalties, but I mean, Chile were, like Brazil, the far superior side in this game. Chile converted all five penalty kicks. Colombia, they're... (laughs) Their player, Tecillo, was the only one who missed, and that was on the fifth one. Chile had two goals disallowed in this game. The first one was disallowed for offside, and similar to the Uruguay goals, very close. But it was correct. So, no no problem with that one, although it sucks, but again, you know, game of inches type thing. The second one, I disagree. And I know I'm biased in my opinion, so I understand that there is bias coming from this, but... I really didn't think, because basically what the ref called was a handball, and then, because Vidal scored after the handball was committed, so that's why they disallowed the goal. But I didn't think it was a handball, because if you right now put your hand on your chest and then stick out your elbow maybe just a tiny bit, it hit his elbow. That's pretty much what happened. I I don't know. I'm not... I know that a lot of there's been a lot of sketchy handball calls or a lot of questionable ones and that's because of the rule it's not because of VAR it's because of the rule but I disagreed with this call I thought Chile's goal should have stood but it didn't Chile won regardless so it doesn't really matter it's just I thought Vidal scored the goal but anyway as far as the actual game itself though Chile I thought were outside of maybe the first 15 minutes which I thought Colombia played pretty well. It was all Chile in this game. It really was. Like, the midfield was suffocating. Bulgar, Arangis, and Vidal were just in absolute control of this game. Their, Colombia just couldn't get a sniff. They could not get a sniff in the midfield. It was an absolute midfield domination by Chile. And despite Eduardo Vargas having a difficult game because he was going up against Mina and Davidson Sanchez, who are way taller than him, Alexis Sanchez, I thought, played pretty well too. And Chile were just kind of unlucky 
not to get a goal. And Colombia really didn't have very much going forward. Like, James Rodriguez was so quiet in this game. He really didn't do anything for them. And then an interesting decision was that Colombia elected to start Falcao instead of Zapata, who actually had played really well in this tournament. But, I mean, Falcao really just couldn't get anything going in the Colombian attack for them. So... Credit to Chile, I thought they were absolute quality for their win. And they advanced to the semifinals, and they played Peru. So, as far as the semifinals, Brazil and Argentina, that semifinal took place yesterday. Chile-Peru's semifinal takes place tonight, so I can't talk about that one. But I can quickly talk about the Brazil-Argentina semifinal, and that was won by the hosts, Brazil, who won this game 2 to nothing. Amazingly, despite the 2-0 loss, I actually think this was probably Argentina's best game of the tournament because I thought they actually played pretty well in this game, to be honest, and they were just kind of unlucky not to score. And plus, full credit, Brazilian goalkeeper Alisson, who plays for Liverpool, I mean, he has not conceded a goal in nine straight matches. Nine straight matches he hasn't conceded a goal. And he made some outstanding saves in this game. Messi had a free kick that was going right into the top shelf. And Allison just snagged it out of the air. No hesitation. Beautiful to see, actually. As far as, like, a goal... If you want to teach a goalie how to play the position, watch Allison of Brazil. He's that good right now. And Brazil, I'm certain, are very grateful that he is in their net. Because they were outshot in this game 14-4. to And, yeah, I think Argentina were probably the better team in this game. But you know what? Gabriel Jesus made the difference. He scored the first goal for Brazil. And basically did all the work in setting up the second goal for Brazil. The second goal turned in by Roberto Firmino. The first goal, though, was brilliantly set up by Dani Alves. Who I thought had an exceptional game for Brazil. And was worthy of the man of the match that he earned. So, there were some good performances on the Brazilian side. Argentina, I thought Messi actually... I know Messi takes a lot of heat internationally. And if you want to say Messi had a bad tournament, he did. But I don't think he was bad in this game. Like, Messi's had actual disappearing acts internationally, which I... And that's kind of the main reason why I don't consider him the greatest player ever, is just because... Messi's had way too many big moments internationally where he's disappeared. The biggest one being the 2014 World Cup Final, but there are lots of other, countless other examples of him not showing up for his country. I know he didn't score in this game, but I thought Messi actually played well in this game. I don't think this was a Messi disappearing act. I thought he was involved, he was making things happen, he hit a goalpost. I mean, he had a brilliant free kick, just, you know, brilliant save by the Allison and Brazil's goal, but... I thought Messi actually played pretty well in this game. I think a lot of the Argentinian side just failed to live up to the expectations. And a lot of that's the midfield. And that's not really Messi's fault because Argentina really haven't had a good midfield in years. But Mascherano, when he was on the team, made them look competent. And without Mascherano anymore because he retired, Argentina's midfield is below average at best. So, I don't know. I feel like the the criticism Messi got for this game 
wasn't really warranted. I actually thought he was good in this game. Just unlucky not to, you know, get in a goal or an assist or something like that. But as far as his overall international reputation, I mean, it doesn't change the fact that he still internationally doesn't perform anywhere near what he does for Barcelona. And that's that's disappointing. So Argentina bow out in the semifinals. That may have been the last shot for this golden or quote-unquote golden generation. As far as ta- I don't think this current Argentina team has anywhere near the talent that it did four years ago. But this Argentina team is just going to be, they're going to be remembered for failing internationally and not winning anything. And that's a shame because there's so many good players on that team. But got to step up when the moment requires it. And too many players on this Argentina team don't do that. So, Brazil, the hosts, they're off to the final. 2 nothing win. And they will play either Chile or Peru in the Copa America final. All the finals, by the way, the Copa America final, the Women's World Cup final, and even the Gold Cup final, they're this Sunday. So, th- basically a triple header of soccer, which is awesome. But anyway, coming up in my next segment, I will preview a potential final with Brazil either facing Chile or facing Peru and what to expect from that game. For right now, in my first music break of the day, just the one song, it's Foster the People and Pumped Up the Kicks. Listen to CMRU.ca by students for you.
CMRU.ca has new shows just for you. From retro to your favorite meme songs. Tune in here at CMRU.ca. Bye, students, for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on CMRU.ca by students for you. Into my second segment of the day, and that is previewing the Copa America final possibilities. Brazil are in the final, <clears throat> that is for sure. Chile and Peru are the two teams that could be in the final, depending on who wins today. Obviously, I think Chile is going to win the game, but I think Peru are probably the weakest semifinalist, just because... The only game they've actually won in regular time was against Bolivia. And then they drew Venezuela. They lost 5-0 to Brazil. And beat Uruguay because Uruguay missed chances and, you know, they converted penalty kicks. So, from that perspective, I think Chile have a very good shot at winning today. And I would consider them the heavy favorite in this semifinal. But, of course, anything can happen. And so, Peru certainly have a chance to win this game. And this is also just a rivalry game too because these two sides really don't like each other. There's a lot of animosity in the Chilean and Peruvian like just history, and so it transfers over to the national sides as well. Very famously, <clears throat> at least recently, when Peru was hosting a World Cup qualifier against Chile, they actually booed the Chilean national anthem, which the Chilean national team didn't exactly take too well. But anyway, as far as what the Copa America final what m might look like, if it is Brazil versus Peru, if Peru do pull off the upset, it would be a rematch of their group stage match in which, well, <clears throat> let's just say it was 5 nothing. And so, <clears throat> excuse me, sorry. Slightly just getting over a little bit of a cold. But Chile versus, oh, sorry, Brazil versus Peru was 5 nothing in the group stage. So... I guess it can't be much worse for Peru if you're thinking very positively and optimistically. Can't be much worse. Because that game was just a total, just complete lopsided, not even close type of affair. So, obviously, I would expect the game to be closer if those two countries do meet in the final. I don't think it would be that difficult though I feel like Brazil would go in at home with all the confidence because they just beat them five nothing and I think they'd probably win two or three nil pretty comfortably I don't think there would be that much in the match to be honest like Peru would need much better performances out of basically everybody in the team and they would need Brazil to just not play anywhere near what they're capable of. Not to mention Brazil haven't conceded a goal so far in this tournament. So Peru's best bet of winning the final might be just to park and hope they get to penalties. Because they might be able to win them in a shootout. But I don't know if they could actually beat this Brazilian side in proper, like, you know, proper 11v11 play. Obviously, for Brazil, Gabriel Jesus, Coutinho, Everton, Firmino, they would be a nightmare for that Peruvian defense to try and deal with again. The only way I think for Peru to counter that is they'd ha their best players would have to show up. And so I'm looking directly at Paulo Guerrero. I'm looking at Cristin Cueva. I'm looking at Farfan. I'm looking at Carrillo. Like, those guys would have to show up 
for Peru. <clears throat> I'm just not sure if they would be able to do that in, in a game like this, especially with Brazil being at home at the Maracanã. So I'm not so sure about that final. I, I think Brazil would probably win that game pretty easily. But of, co of course, anything can happen. Upsets happen all the time. So certainly don't rule out a Peruvian upset. On the Chilean side, it would be, I think, the most interesting matchup. And I'm not just saying that because I'm Chilean. I'm just saying that because it would be the hosts against the defending champions. Chile would be trying to win their third straight Copa America title. They would be the first country in the modern era to win three straight Copa Americas, which would be cool in itself and a great, a great send-off to the golden generation in Chile. It would also be a little bit of a revenge game because Brazil knocked out Chile in the 2014 World Cup that Brazil hosted. Chile were a crossbar away from winning that game. And then in 2018, Brazil was the team to knock out Chile from the World Cup when they won 3-0 in World Cup qualifying. So for Chile, it would be a revenge game. But Brazil certainly ha have had their number as far as recent games against each other type of thing. The big matchup in this game, of course, would be the midfield. When you look at Bulgar, <clears throat> you look at Bulgar, you look at Vidal, you look at Arangis, and they're going up against Casemiro, Artur, and of course Coutinho. So it would be a good midfield battle for sure in these in this game. The key for Chile, though, you got to find a way to beat Allison. And Alexis Sanchez has been good in this tournament. Vargas is always capable of scoring. But Brazil have a good defense, and despite the fact Argentina certainly exposed a lot of the holes, I think, in the Brazilian defense, Alisson is still a brick wall in goal, and so Chile would have to find a way around him in order to win this match. On the Brazilian side, their attack would have to essentially just, you know, they'd have to score, and they'd have to get past the Chilean defense, which hasn't exactly been stellar, but... The midfield would be so crucial. Brazil would have to try and win some of those midfield battles in order to get possession and then create chances. So I think Brazil-Chile would be a very interesting match. There's the revenge factor. There's the midfield battle. There is a lot that would dictate it to be a very even game. In the end, Brazil are the hosts, which would certainly give them a slight advantage. But I picked Chile to win the thing at the start. And actually... If, it, if the final does happen to be Brazil versus Chile, my bracket's actually really good for the Copa América because I would have gotten the final 100% correct as far as the two teams playing in it. I would have had three of the four semifinalists as far as the teams that were in it. And as far as the teams, just purely teams. I got eight out of eight in the quarters. It's just I got some of them in the wrong order. But nonetheless, Brazil-Chile would be a great match. Brazil-Peru could be a good match, but... We'll see. Peru, I think, I mean, tonight would be a great way of proving that maybe they're capable of playing against this Brazilian side. But until I see them perform at that level, I can't really put it past. I can't really expect them to do anything more than just not get killed 5 nothing again and, you know, maybe lose by a closer scoreline. Anyway, that's pretty much all I got. Copa America final is this Sunday. It should be a very good match regardless. And I'm very excited nonetheless. It's always fun 
to watch the finals of these competitions. And we'll see if Brazil can win their first major international trophy since 2007. Coming up in my last two segments of the day, Women's World Cup recap of the quarterfinals and the one semifinal that took place yesterday, as well as previewing a possible World Cup final on the women's side. In my music break, I have the Red Hot Chili Peppers and Californication. You're listening to Mount Royal University's CMRU.ca, by students for you. And now they're all not far away, it's California. 
showcasing Matt Royal's own broadcasting talent. Over 40 unique and weekly shows. Find us at cmru.ca. By students, for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius here on cmru.ca. By students, for you. A reminder, you can download the cmru.ca app. That way you can listen to all of the shows that are taking place during the spring and summertime. And also remember that for all the content that we're producing, all the radio shows, we have podcast links along with them. So if you ever miss a show, you can listen to either my show, Moments of Genius, or any of the other ones on this station. So definitely go ahead and do that because you know what? We make a lot of good content, so definitely worth doing. Anyway, Women's World Cup quarterfinals and at least one semifinal. The second semifinal is taking place uh, a little bit later today, so I can't talk about that game, but I can talk about all the other ones. So I'll start in the quarterfinals. England versus Norway was the first one, and it was another 3 nothing win for England, who were just in complete control of this game. Norway really couldn't get a proper foothold in this match, and it wasn't until England went up 3 nothing that Norway finally had some real good scoring opportunities. But at the, by that point, it's too late. It was too little too late for the Nor Norwegian side. But you know what? Despite, you know, it was, they should be a little bit disappointed with how the game went against England. Norway should be really proud of their tournament. I think they should be very proud of what their team accomplished, making all the way to the quarterfinals without arguably their best player. So I think there's a lot of positives for Norway to take away from their overall tournament. England... I mean, they were just the better side in this game, and I think that was pretty obvious to tell. Lucy Braun scored a really nice goal, too, on the third one for the English to wrap it up completely. And England find themselves in a second consecutive semifinal after they made the semifinals in 2015 and, of course, lost on that heartbreaking own goal. And I'll get to the semifinal that they played in a little bit. So, their opponent, who would it be? Would it be USA or France? This was undoubtedly one of the most hyped games at this World Cup, undoubtedly, because the United States and France were two of the favorites going toe-to-toe -to -toe in the quarterfinals. And you know what? Before I get into the game itself, can I just say the atmosphere at the Parc de Prince in Paris was unbelievable. And I know I'm just, I'm just watching it through a TV, but I'd imagine being there would be even better because that... 
I mean, wow, that was brilliant. I mean, to see that at a Women's World Cup is great because you see that in a lot of the really big games in the men's game. Like, you'll see that in the men's World Cup in a lot of these really big games. But to see that in a women's World Cup game, like the type of atmosphere and how loud the crowd were and how into it they were and, like, it was great to see, honestly, for the growth of the sport and for the growth of women's football specifically, that was amazing. So hats off to all the fans and just the overall, I think, experience of that game was pretty good. The game itself, the United States won this game 2-1. to one. Megan Rapino scored both goals for the United States. She's now on five goals total for the tournament. And the first goal... Hmm, uh, the first goal is a little tricky to me, just because Rapino deserves credit. She put in a good free kick, but it was a little bit of fortune that it actually went into the net, because Rapino took the free kick, and it basically just didn't touch anybody, and everyone missed the ball and went in. So, I'll give Rapino credit for taking a good free kick, but certainly a little bit of fortune on the American side that everyone missed the ball. But, nonetheless, good goal for them. The second goal, just taking advantage of the fact they were able to catch France on a counterattack. France, meanwhile, I-, I was disappointed with their performance in this game, just because, especially the French coach, I thought she waited way too long to make substitutions. She waited until, like, there was 15 minutes left in this game before she made subs. And at that point, like, it's hard for a substitute to come in and make an impact. Like, she should have been making subs at about the 60, like, 55-minute, 60-minute mark. But she didn't, and so I think that was certainly something that I think cost France a little bit. I thought some of the personnel decisions were a little strange in this game from the French side. In the end, they did get a goal. It was Wendy Renard's header that she put in. Uh, And then, of course, there was the controversy, because for the second consecutive match, the United States probably got away with one, where ball was played in... Um, down the left-hand side, and then Majri kicked it, and it hit the American player's hand, and wasn't called. The only reason why I consider this controversial is because I've seen that type of play called many times since the introduction of VAR, and I mean, you don't you don't even have to look that far back. Just look at the Netherlands-Japan game. If you look at the handball late in the game that gave the Netherlands the win over Japan and then look at what happened in the United States-France game, and if you tell me that there's a massive difference between those two, I would disagree. I think they're pretty similar. And one was given a penalty, one wasn't. So I think France got a little unlucky in that sense. They should have had a penalty in my opinion. But, I mean, did they deserve to win this game? No, they did not. USA were the better team. France, just not enough in it. And you know what? It, w- it was an entertaining game. And again, the atmosphere of this game and what this game represented, I think, meant more than the game itself. But France, <clears throat> obviously disappointment. They're going home early. But the United States deserved it. They were the better team on the day, and therefore they advanced to the semifinals. Netherlands took on Italy. In the third quarterfinal game, it was Miedema who made the difference. 
she's already, by the way, can I say how crazy it is? She's like 23, and she's already the all-time leading scorer in Dutch women's football. She's 23. That's nuts. I mean, yeah, anyway, just just a crazy stat. But Miedema made the difference. She scored a headed goal for the Dutch, who I thought were fully deserving of the win in this game. They had a couple really close chances, too. They had a free kick that whistled just wide of the post. They had another one go off the crossbar. So I, I think the Netherlands were more than worthy of their win. But Italy, you know what? They, I think, should be unbelievably proud. There is no shame in what Italy did in this tournament. They were, I think, the Cinderella story of this Women's World Cup. Italy should be unbelievably proud. They finished first in a group that had Australia and Brazil in it. They beat China in the round of 16. And you know what? You lost to a good Dutch side. It happens. But Italy, I think, there are so many positives from this Women's World Cup for them. They should not in any way be disappointed. I think Italy did themselves, their national team, and most importantly, the women's national team program, extremely proud. So hats off to the Italian women's side because you know what? They were great in this tournament. And the Women's World Cup was better for having them in it. And then the last quarterfinal, Germany versus Sweden. This, sadly, was the game that made my bracket look bad because Germany was the team I picked to win the whole thing. They were knocked out. Sweden won this game 2-1 as Blackstanius scored the game-winning goal for Sweden. And actually, the, fir- the first goal, Magull, Lena Magull of Germany, that was a really good goal that she scored. A beautiful, nice little side volley goal. To put Germany up 1-0. But Sweden, credit to them. They maintained their composure. And you know what? Sweden showed the resiliency that you need in a tournament like this. And they were able to come back in this game. Jakobsen scored the first goal. Blackstenia scored the second goal for them. And that was enough to send Sweden into the semifinals. For Germany, I just don't think they had enough desperation in the game. And I know the, the heat was certainly a factor in this game. But... I just didn't see enough, you know, desperation and going forward and doing all you could offensively late in this game. I think Germany will feel a little bit like they let one go to a certain degree. But you know what? Credit to Sweden. They beat Canada, and now they've beaten Germany, and now they're in the semifinals. So Sweden will play Netherlands. That semifinal is today. And so we will have a finalist from that game. The first semifinal, though, that took place yesterday, the United States versus England. And this game was 2-1 to one in favor of the U.S. This game had a lot of talking points. The Americans, I felt like, kind of held on to win this game. I don't think they were that great in this matchup. I thought England actually played pretty well for the most part. But in the end... There was one thing that has derailed the hopes of many English teams, both men's and now women's, and that is penalty kicks. So, in this game, the Americans scored early with Press scoring a header. Bronze, Bronze had a, I think, shockingly poor game by her standards in this game for England, but Press scored a nice header to open the scoring for the United States, and then it was answered 
by Alan White, who scored off a brilliant cross. Can I just say that? That was a fantastic cross on that goal. But White scored, and that was her sixth goal of the tournament. And that was just before Alex Morgan scored on her 30th birthday and scored her sixth goal of the tournament. Although, granted, Alex Morgan's six goals are not the same as Ellen White's because Alex Morgan scored all of her goals against until, like, this game against Thailand. So that's not quite the same thing. But Morgan scored in the 31st minute. She scored a headed goal, and that put the U.S. up front. And England actually tied this game, but unfortunately, Ellen White scored, but it was disallowed due to video assistant referee. Ellen White was just slightly offside, and so England had to continue to battle. And the United States got hit by karma. Karma, if if you're not sure what I'm referring to, it's the United States got a very fortunate call, like I said, in the France game, and they got a way more fortunate call against Spain, one which I thought was completely incorrect, and I thought Lavelle completely dived. For the United States, and the fact that the referee gave a penalty for that, I thought was complete, completely wrong. It was honestly a embarrassing decision to me because I thought it was unbelievably a dive by the United States, and so, therefore, the U.S. had gotten a lot of fortune in the knockout stages. They were bound to be hit by karma at some point. The England got a really weak penalty in this game. And yeah, there was a little bit of contact there in the box, but it looks like White kind of initiated it. I don't know. You can watch it for yourself and come to your own conclusion, but I would not have called the penalty. But, you know what? For the United States, who've been given all this positivity from VAR, I think it was nice karma that they got hit by one. Unfortunately for England, they couldn't take advantage. Hewton shot it horribly and it was great credit to Naylor the American goalkeeper who made the save but it was a terrible penalty and so England's heartbreak in shootouts kind of continues it sort of was reprieved a little bit when they beat Colombia at the World Cup last year but in the end they could not take advantage of the fact that the United States were you know due for karma at some point and they were but England still lost this match the United States credit to them for seeing out the victory after that. And again, England, another heartbreaking loss. and They'll feel like they left something there. But nonetheless, USA are through to the final. That's the one correct prediction I have from the semis onwards. So I did pick the US to go to the final. I picked them to lose, though. I picked them to lose to Germany, who obviously aren't going to be there. So it'll either be the Netherlands or Sweden. And I'll preview what that final might look like coming up in my last segment of the day. For right now, just the one song in my music break, 21 Pilots and Jumpsuit. Find something you recognize on cmru.ca. Five students for you.
Listening to CMRU.ca by students for you. Welcome back to Moments of Genius. I just have one last segment, quickly giving a quick preview to what the Women's World Cup final might look like. So we know the United States are in it, and they'll play either Netherlands or Sweden. So I will give quick previews to what each matchup might look like on Sunday. I'll start with the Netherlands. So if it is the Dutch versus the United States. Obviously, the US, I think the U.S. are going to be favorites regardless of who they play, whether it's Sweden or the Netherlands. But in the Dutch case, it would be the European champions taking on the world champions. So it would be kind of cool in that aspect. As far as looking at the lineups and the matchups and stuff like that, the Dutch probably have the best front three in this tournament with Martins, Miedema, and Van de Sanden. And so obviously, the American back line that has certainly been shaky at best in the knockout rounds I think they would have to be very fearful of that front three. The key, though, for the U.S. would be in the midfield because Lavelle, assuming she's not injured, she came off there with what looked like a hamstring issue in the semifinal, so we'll see about her status. But Lavelle, if she does start alongside Ertz and Horan or Muse or whoever is in there with Ertz and Lavelle, they will have to dominate this game, I think, in order to cut off the front three of Martins, Miedema, and Van de Sanden on the Dutch side, because Van de Donk, Spitze, and Gronin, they're, they're good players on the Dutch midfield, but I feel like the Americans have a midfield advantage, and so if the Americans can hold possession in that midfield and cut off the supply to the front three, I think that would be the main key there. For the Dutch, obviously, get the ball to your front three, because they can threaten any defense, especially that American one that has had a little bit of a problem. And on the Dutch side, their defense hasn't been tremendous in this tournament. And so I feel like they'd be very vulnerable to the American attack. And therefore, it would really be, I think, from the Dutch side, you got to attack and you got to outscore them. That would be my thoughts on that matchup. As far as Sweden, obviously Sweden did play the United States 
in the group stages. And that game was won by the U.S. 2 to nothing. Granted, Sweden didn't really play their best 11 in that game. So it would be a different Swedish side. Sweden, too, they... They're not a possession team. They're a very more defensive-minded team. They play a 4-4-1-1 is more kind of the formation they use. And it kind of worked at the Olympics because they were able to hold the U.S. to penalties and beat them in a shootout. So don't think that that's impossible this time around because it definitely could happen again. And on the Swedish side, you know what? Even though they just really have the two forwards, Blackstinius and Aslani, the two of them have been scoring a lot in this tournament. And they've been creating a lot for them. So... I wouldn't rule out Sweden maybe nicking a goal somewhere and then trying to hang on for a one nothing win or something like that in the World Cup final if they do. The Swedish defense, meanwhile, they've been pretty good for most of the tournament, but of course they play a more defensive style. And so for the U.S., it would be about trying to break that down. And that would be mainly the job of their front three, which Rapino's supposed to be back. She was dealing with an injury. That's why she didn't start against England. And then Alex Morgan, Heath, Carly Lloyd, if they bring her off the bench, obviously it would be down to players like that to try and break down the Swedish defense. And on the Swedish side, again, Sauerbrunn, Dal Kemper, those are the center backs for the Americans. Those are the two players that I think you have to target if you're Aslani or Blackstenius on the Swedish side. But like I said, the U.S. are probably favorites in either match, but certainly... I wouldn't call them overwhelming favorites because I think Sweden and Netherlands are both quality for what they are, and that is, you know, two of the best sides in the world. That's it. That's all I got. The finals are this Sunday. I'm so excited, and I will be recapping all of that next week. Copa America final, Women's World Cup final should be very exciting, and we will have a couple champions to talk about next week. My last song of the day, Mother Mother and Monkey Tree. I want to thank you for tuning in and be sure to listen in throughout the summer to Moments of Genius and all the other shows we have on cmru.ca. Yeah. 